This is Pamela Nelson with the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast powered by Align. And this is episode 28. We're excited to welcome back Sarah Noble today on part two on perfectionism and how to shift it toward excellence through authenticity. As a leader, your role is to cast vision and you can be clear and lead toward excellence without falling into the perfectionism trap. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Welcome to the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast, where everyone is a leader and leadership starts with you. I'm Tara. And I'm Pamela. Thank you for listening and inviting us along on your leadership journey. We are so excited to be joined again today by Sarah Noble. We are uh, recording part two of a an amazing conversation on the difference between perfectionism and excellence, how that shows up within us, how sometimes it hijacks us in really the goal to be able to meet and support and do things well, as opposed to having that be our identity, which as we uncovered in part one, can actually be rooted in fear. And it can be a fear of failure. It can be a fear of what it is saying about us, something that we don't really want to look at. We want you to go back and listen to part one because it's so powerful, but we want to continue the conversation because where we left off last time, Sarah, was really in this uncovering perfectionism and excellence and that root that under perfectionism, you said it's really fear of failure. But the question that Tara posed was, I wonder what's underneath excellence. What do you think that is, Sarah? I think that's a really great question. And it might be different for every person where I see this having played out in my life so far in my journey of recovering from perfectionism is as I'm shifted towards excellence and rewired, reframed, rebranded myself as a recovering perfectionist and began to let go and seek more for healthy striving was that I found true connection. Because as you mentioned in part one, especially for leaders and in a workplace or any kind of leader, that as the most genuine version of themselves, and if a perfectionist is allowed to let the most genuine version of themselves come out, that person who is full of inadequacy and mistakes and fears and vulnerability, right? Um, and, and figuring things out, they become the most genuine version of themselves, which often attracts people to us as a leader. So I think the true gift of imperfection in my life has been a deep and meaningful connection with others. When I let go of who I wanted them to see me as that perfectly put together woman who accomplishes everything she says that she does, and she's so amazing at everything, but inside I was lonely and I was scared and I was isolated and I no one really knew what my struggles were. Letting go of that allowed people to see the real me. And then in turn, I fell in love with connecting over vulnerability. And as Brene Brown says, vulnerability isn't oversharing, but it's being authentic and being genuine in ourselves. And as a leader, I know you've had Tim Spiker come on and talk about it's the who, not the what. They were not connected to the what I was able to accomplish and all of my wow. They wanted to see the real me. And that's who then I became a better leader out of that. In my opinion, it's it was about seeking connection. And, and truly that is joy and security. I I love that. And we really want to spend some time in this episode exploring how you did that. How did you bridge that gap? How did you reframe? How did you overcome the perfectionism to get to authenticity and and connection? 
But I want to pause here and just talk a little bit. I think there are, are leaders and business owners who really struggle because, so first of all, I know owners and leaders who almost humble brag about being perfectionism. We talked about that a little bit in, in the first episode, but they really struggle with what does it look like if I'm not micromanaging these details? Because mistakes keep happening. And I, I think about this in particular with uh, professional services companies like law firms and financial services where details matter a great deal. And so how do leaders let go of or reframe or approach this differently when mistakes are happening and it's impacting business or it's, you know, when you think about the actual practical, tactical application of this. How do you inspire that excellence and attention to detail when that's important without being a perfectionist as a leader? Yeah, I think that's a wildly important thing for leaders to strive for is to figure that out, especially if they're identifying as a perfectionist. So I would say a couple of things stood out to me as you were asking the question. Uh, I do think that sometimes mistakes or if there is a pattern of mistakes happen because you are too rigid as a leader, because you are so inflexible as a leader that people are actually so terrified to let you down that more mistakes happen. If you've ever really been in that environment where, you know, these professional figure skaters have to hit these and then that mindset that it creates in other people is overthinking and tension and stress. And those are actually the root of what lead to the errors. And having worked in professional services, in financial services, where errors are literally costly to the business or to the individual. What I will say is some of the best leaders that I've ever worked under were those that allowed me to fail and it, it said right out of the gate to me, you will fail, you will. And when you do, come to me first and we'll make it right. And you know what? I think we made far less mistakes because of the openness in the environment. But leaders can only say that. And I truly mean only say that if they mean it. Because the first time someone makes a mistake and comes to them and they do not respond the way they said they were going to respond, you've put your complete leadership and culture, company culture in jeopardy. Yeah, so good. And I, I even want to do a little reframing around the word failure because it can become your teacher. It becomes a failure if you don't learn from it. That's really the only failure there. And here again, that being perfect or that not making a mistake, if a leader is able to say to someone, and this is a, a mantra I've said here before in the podcast, just you made a mistake, you're not a mistake. If you think you are a mistake, you're mistaken. So again, back to that identity piece that we talked about in part one, that if our being perfect is part of our identity, we're always going to let ourselves down. There is no hitting the bullseye 100% of the time. But Sarah, our next choice after there has been something that's imperfect is one of the most important things then that as a leader, we can equip people to do. And so what is that? What is that next choice? Yeah, I agree completely. And I think for leaders, some of the things that I would recommend for those who have maybe in the past, right? If you want a new version of your leadership style, how do you begin to shift away from this inflexible, very rigid mistakes, equal failure, equal ramifications personally or professionally for you? How do you begin to shift away from that? 
what I I learned was that I could to pick again, pick that up, Pamela, and reframe that and say, what's my job in all of this as a leader? First of all, I'm going to start getting curious with what's my role versus what's their role. And so my role is to cast a vision. And so here's where leaders can be very clear. And here's where they can decide excellence versus perfection. So if they mm -hmm. set up standards that are, they're excellent, but they're within reach versus inflexible, like absolute perfection. No one ever makes a mistake. As you said, we are destined to quote unquote fail if that is our standard. So if that is my vision. So instead my vision might be, and I'll use an analogy. If you were, to, if I were to give the two of you directions, meet me on Poplar Avenue at 2.15 PM today, wearing a red top. I cast a vision for what I expect. But you both might take very different routes in how we get there. And if you're wearing mauve and not bright red, as a leader, I have to decide, like, where am I going to set the specifics and where am I going to allow my team to use their strategic strengths, their brains, their creativity? Because if it's always my way, we will be limited. Because I only have what I have. But if I allow my team to stretch and to find their voices and use their strengths and work on maturing their strengths, as you guys focus into, is that's really where the power happens. That's where the magic happens is when we allow others. So I think being specific, casting that vision and allowing others to find their way in areas where you can be flexible with people. I think embracing that aspect of empathy, we, you talked about that as the first time these errors or mistakes happen. Sure. Do we need to address patterns of inaccuracy or underperformance? Absolutely. As leaders, that's our responsibility. But we're talking about creating a culture, an environment where we can be empathetic to the fact that we all as humans are 100% guaranteed to not do it exactly perfect at quote unquote every time. And so I think it's that uh, kind of, as I reframed it, that compass versus the map telling someone exactly what street to turn on and, or saying, meet me here at this time. And so it, I think it's the leader's responsibility to provide an environment where people are free to explore and to grow and to expand and use their strengths and pick and choose where as the owner or visionary, where do we need to get to, but where can I be flexible? You have to ask yourself and get curious with yourself as a leader around that. Sarah, I think you're so right. You have to be able to provide that culture. And I see some of this falls down right with onboarding or training new employees. Are you taking the time to show them the way you would like it done? Are you really modeling? Are you bringing them along, allowing them to make some mistakes in an environment where it's not life or death? It's not going to cost something. And then once they have their arms around the role, the responsibility, letting them fly so that if they make mistakes, then it truly is out of their own experience and they're going to grow from it. So I think there needs to be a base of what we give people. And if you're not willing to give the time to do that, you can expect more mistakes than, than you just have to, you have to adjust your approach so that you're learning together. Cause I know sometimes we're growing as a company and there's not time or space to be yes. thorough in how we teach people, but I think both approaches require time if we're going to do it well and space for people to make that mistake and time to coach, time to help them figure out a different way or, or find solutions with them. So Sarah, you have been on this journey. And I think you said at the beginning of, of our first episode with you is that you're on the journey. You never arrive when you were recovering anything. So recovering perfectionist, 
where can people start if they've identified, I do have some perfectionistic tendencies. It is getting in my way or in someone else's way. Where can they start? I've been thinking a lot about this because where I started and where I am today in how I approach that are very different. So I'm going to go all the way back to how I felt when I first started, which was this kind of feels a little bit impossible. And my perfectionist wants to figure out how to be imperfect perfectly. And I really want that so badly that I guess I would say, and I'm a fan of analogies. Here comes another one is if you're trying anything new, the first time I, I swam in the ocean, the first time I tried calamari, like I didn't shove a giant pizza in my mouth and I didn't jump into the ocean. Like I, you, you step in, you take mm-hmm. a small bite, you try yeah. it just like anything we teach our, just try this new food. Just try your hair a little bit different. Cut a little bit. Off. You're not usually, most people don't go crazy all in. And I would say use logic perfectionists to rewire your brain to say, I'm going to try some. Am I at least open? Do I have a growth mindset? And can I be open to the fact that it might be better on the other side? I don't know. And there's always a fear of the unknown, but I want to try. So when you invite yourself into that space and you say, all right, I'm open enough to try, start small. I started personally by not flipping the toilet paper roll over. I'm an over gal. I just am. That In my mind, it's over. And so what I would see is as I would go around the house, sometimes my kids will replace a roll or I might even be at a girlfriend's house and a former me used to literally flip the roll. I am not ashamed to admit that anymore, but I don't. So that was, a, I found one little area that I said, I could try this. If I let it go, there was low risk. I picked something that offered low risk. Mm. I wasn't going to all of a sudden show up at my professional job and not try to do the marketing plan a certain way. I was going to just not flip the toilet paper roll and dip my toe into imperfection or letting go, reframing. Mm -hmm. And it's caught like wildfire. I wanted to test other things. If I like calamari, maybe I like lobster. If I like the ocean, maybe I want to float in it. Like it just became something that I desired more and more of because I wanted to test that limit and find and explore and see where this might take me. And each time I got a little braver and a little braver and a little braver by choice, got a little more courageous about what I was willing to try. And it does take courage to try something new. I found that I loved that. I loved the version of me that I was becoming because I was, as I said earlier, becoming a more authentic version for other people to see. I've always been all of these things to me, but I haven't allowed everyone else to see all of the versions of me that I could be. And and some of them did things differently than others. As now, again, I don't say fail around that. It's just different. And so we have different approaches. And I think what it's taught me as well as a leader is seeing the beauty and how all these people do things so differently that my way is just one way. Who, who am I to think mm. that the only or the right way? And you become attracted to what other people's potential could be. And then the growth that could provide. If we were only going to do my idea, we would have been so limited because I only had this much breadth or knowledge or experience. But when I allow others in, mm. it became a, an attractive endeavor. And back to what we said in part one was, It was not my identity. I learned that this was not who I am. It was how I was behaving. And that if I changed those behaviors, a different version of me came out and other people were wildly attracted to a more authentic version of me as a person and as a leader. Oh, that's so good, Sarah. And 
you celebrating what other people can contribute and bring to the table. Sounds like that was an important part of your journey. And that required a level of humility and emotional maturity for you to recognize that you don't have to control everything, that in fact, it could be better if you don't. And I think those are necessary steps for people who are working their way out of perfectionism. Hey everyone, this is Tara. You know how some podcasts will pause in the middle to give you an advertisement or a word from their sponsors? Well, we don't have sponsors, but we do have an important opportunity that we wanna share with you. Listen, I think that you and I can agree that the old school top-down leadership model just doesn't work anymore. It would be nice if it did because it is easier (laughs) to just command and have people pay attention. But honestly, people don't work that way because relationships don't work that way and leadership no longer works that way. And so we have developed a program called Grounded Leadership and we are seeing incredible results with the cohorts that we're currently running. From emerging and new leaders to executives and business owners, leaders at every level are growing and grounding in their leadership through this program. Grounded Leadership is a comprehensive practice that ensures emotional maturity while encouraging individual growth and building thriving teams. Listen, titles are about authority, but they don't really influence change. Our leadership practice is what determines our ability to influence others. This journey is ideal for all leaders who are ready to maximize their potential, take responsibility for their influence. We have a cohort starting in January of 2024. It's gonna be a mixed cohort of leaders from across the country from different organizations, and we really think that you would enjoy it. Not only that, we think you would find high value and there would be a really high ROI for you, your leadership, and your team. If this is at all of interest to you, please reach out. In the show notes, we're going to have a PDF that you can click and see all the program details, but also you could email me, Tara at aligntransform.com, schedule a quick 15 to 30 minute consult to get some of your questions answered, and we can determine if this is a program that's a fit for you and if you're a fit for the program. If this is of interest to you, we hope to hear from you. And now back to the podcast. One of the first times I started exploring strengths was right around the same time. And that was when I learned that I had developer in me. And so developer is wildly attracted to bringing other people along and helping lift them up and slowing down for them and bringing them in and like really valuing that. So that was a new side of myself that I hadn't really fully understood, but began in integrating into my leadership style, again, becoming a more authentic version of myself. So Sarah, you've been on this journey and it's not that you were just reframing perfectionism or letting go of that identity. You still pursue excellence. I know you, I know that excellence still matters to you. So what does excellence look like for you and how is that different? Wow, that is a really great question. Excellence to me now means being committed to who I am and what I bring and acknowledging my limitations I really want to and strive to in this healthy, striving mindset of excellence, always give it my best. And my best is good enough for me now. Mm -hmm. And because I don't measure it so much by what others perceive, that reframing is a key part for me of changing perfectionists. It was about what do others think? How are others going to perceive this outcome? And now I go, I'm in it for me. I do my best every day. And when I show up as me every day and give it my best, that's excellent. That's excellent. It's filled with all kinds of 
oopses and shifts and pivots and boulders and obstacles, but I give it my best every day. And I'm so proud of myself and I live a life that integrity is one of my core values. So if I believe that I'm giving it my all and I'm honest and, and true to myself, then that's excellent to me. And I don't have to wake up and convince myself of that anymore. I think there was an old version that thought I was going to have to convince myself that excellent, which was AKA not good enough. I was going to have to settle. If I let go of perfectionism, I was going to settle. And I found out on the other side of this whole thing, if any of your listeners are a wee bit curious of what they might find on the other side of letting go of perfection, they will find joy, freedom, happiness, authenticity, connection, productivity, new ideas. I could go on and on. You hear the passion in my voice. Be curious enough to try and, and the other thing I want to say is bring people along. I had to bring people along that were used to seeing a version of me that I was no longer going to be presenting. That included my very close tribe of friends. That included my professional colleagues. And that, most importantly to me, included my children. So I said to them, I'm going to be doing some things differently. I'm going to be trying some things I might not get them right, but if you'll just be gracious with me during this time, that would be great. And I did, then I called me out and I had to say, my bad, I'm I'm practicing. Remember, I'm practicing. Yep, we don't need to load the dishwasher that way. So I just, I need reminders and I need people around me who are gonna love me and help me work through this practicing period. But it wasn't about letting go of a standard that, and now I'm just willing to settle. It was not a life of settling by any means. Not at all, because you're living true to yourself, Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, it sounds like your journey included you getting in a lot closer touch with who you are and your values and your purpose in order to attach to that identity as opposed to the identity of perfectionism. Is that accurate? That would absolutely be accurate. And it's terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. And it's worth it to get to know yourself. I think a lot of times we push away the sides of ourselves that we're afraid to get to know, as we talked a little bit about earlier. But when you know yourself more deeply, you can actually love yourself more deeply. And when you love yourself more deeply, you rely less on what others think and feel about you. So we're talking to leaders and they're either on this journey or they're coaching and managing someone who's on this journey with perfectionism. Any other tips, tools, or techniques you just want to encourage them as we close? Be gracious with yourself. It's going to take time. And one other little side note, not everyone's super comfortable with you doing things differently or trying things differently. And again, as you become more secure in yourself, you begin to accept that and walk into the fullest version of yourself. But have empathy with yourself and for others. Cast that vision and practice like every single thing in life we do. This is not unlike that, is that it will take practice and it will take time. I've been working on this journey for a long time. The fact that you called me an expert tells me I've put in a lot of time and energy and effort into this and I do and I still do to this day. So be willing to to spend the time falling in love with yourself, finding yourself and um, living a more joyful life when you do. Sarah. This conversation has been so powerful. Thank you so much for coming on for part one and part two today. I believe that a lot of people are going to start embracing their race of discovering what it looks like to actually shed off the weight of perfection 
shed off that expectation, to throw that off, to notice it when it's happening with within ourselves, not shame ourselves for it, but just notice it and saying, again, I am practicing doing this and to take that next step, that small step into what we are doing. So we want to invite our listeners to be able to find you. So all the information is going to be in the show notes. And also we would love your feedback because this does feel as well, like it can be part of an ongoing conversation, Sarah. And I know that we would love to have you back to discuss other topics of discovery that you have been on and that you've been invited to. And we get invited to learn and grow ourselves. It's always something that is worth sharing. So would you be willing to come back and just share more about some other things that you are learning on the journey? I would love it. I would absolutely love it. And there's just, like you said, this is the tip of the iceberg and in self-discovery. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for what you're offering to your listeners. I have been listening to your podcast and they are so powerful. They're helpful. I walk away with a tool and, and a tip every time that, that allow me to be a little bit better version of myself. So thank you for that and allowing me this space to share with your listeners. You are so welcome. And listener, thank you for being with us today. Please again, give your feedback at Tara at aligntransform.com. Until next time, we look forward to connecting with you soon and grounding and growing. Come on.